Hi, this is Z. And this is Amy. And we're back with Curse Words and Crayons Presents True Crime. This week we are full on discussing the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard, which, let me just say, is a super fucked up case. So, proceed at your own risk. I'm just going to start out by saying this entire episode deserves a trigger warning. 100%. This case is really rough, but this one for me was very mentally taxing. And I really think it has a lot to do with you've got murder, you've got mental illness. I would classify some neglect in there, child abuse, and just the manipulation is just out of this world. So we're going to take you through the timeline. I'm going to do my best to remain calm while discussing this because I do understand that these are real people. But a lot about this story just fires me the fuck up. Like, it's just, it's a lot. Let's dive right into the timeline. In 1991, Gypsy Rose is born to parents Claudine and Rod Blanchard. She was born premature with a slightly smaller than normal head, but otherwise was a normal child. Roughly around 1999, when Gypsy was nine, she was in a very minor motorcycle accident with her grandfather. And from then on, she was seen in a wheelchair. In 2005, Dee Dee and Gypsy moved into public housing. Previously, they'd lived with Dee Dee's family because Dee Dee's family had started to question her treatment of Gypsy. At that time, Hurricane Katrina came through and their apartment was completely flooded. They received assistance to relocate from Louisiana to Missouri in a house built by Habitat for Humanity. From then on, Gypsy's medical records were kept by her mother as her medical records would have been destroyed or damaged in said huge hurricane. Some of the earliest records that they could find in Springfield, Missouri, stated that she suffered from a range of chronic illnesses, all stemming from chromosomal defects, including muscular dystrophy, epilepsy, severe allergies, and asthma. Gypsy used a feeding tube and sometimes an oxygen tank. From 2005 to 2015, there were records stating that Gypsy was taken to Mercy Hospital, which is their local hospital, around 100 times. Something I found really interesting about this particular case or the history, the medical history of Gypsy is oftentimes, and if you're a parent or you've ever taken care of a sick parent or you've ever taken care of anybody that is ill, a lot of times the caregiver or somebody who is involved heavily in this person's life becomes like the medical historian. So they're the person that is repeating, you know, this is what their ailments are, this is what their issues are. And the thing that I found really interesting and kind of researching and looking at all the different things is a lot of the things that Gypsy had, some of them like you would need proof, like you would be able to do an MRI or some sort of a medical diagnosis, but some of them were just things that doctors kind of take you at your word. I have trouble breathing, you know, like there might be an asthma diagnosis or you go to the doctor and say you have heartburn, they're not going to give you a test for heartburn. Like you say I have heartburn, they're going to believe you. What became really interesting about 
them relocating from Louisiana to Missouri is now she can kind of say whatever she wants. So they have the excuse of here's this horrible catastrophe. All of our records are missing or stuff. Things were lost in the flood, this, that, and the other. So she gets to Springfield and they were there for four-ish years before they saw this pediatric neurologist. And he saw them, um, for her muscular dystrophy, he was kind of their new specialist. So he was not believing the things that were kind of being thrown his way. So he ordered a ton of tests and found no abnormalities. So for a child to come in being as sick as she was being portrayed to be and to find nothing, he said there was absolutely no reason that she shouldn't be able to walk. As you kind of get further into the story and we talk a little bit more about this case, um, she can walk. <laughs> the neurologist noted that and um, that Dee was not a good historian. That's why I mentioned the motorcycle accident with her grandfather before. Mm. And following up with that, a lot of her family members remembered her just having a very small scratch on her knee and that it wasn't anything other than a little road rash, if you will. But then on, she was seen in a wheelchair. And her dad and other family members said around that time, so around 1999, that's when a lot of other things started to get progressively worse with Gypsy's health overall. This doctor is looking at all of these things and he's reading all of these things. He's not he is not buying what she's selling. And he says, I need to follow up with this medical team in New Orleans. So Dee Dee learns this and he's adding all of these things together. And he has suspected the possibility of Munchausen syndrome by proxy, which is something that seems to run in Dee Dee's family. Um, there was definitely some talk of Emma, who is Dee Dee's mother, having some Munchausen by proxy diagnosis. Uh, for a while, there were some suspicions that Dee Dee could have been poisoning her own mother. So definitely not out of the realm of what we're seeing in this family history. So Dee Dee catches on that he kind of knows that they know that we know type of a deal. And she says, I'm not taking Gypsy to see this guy anymore. So she knows he's caught on to her. But the thing that makes me want to shoot fire out of my ears is that he never reports this to social services. No, and a note like this would go in Gypsy's files. So if Dee Dee had at any point requested medical files from whatever, from whoever was coming to visit, so she requests those files from social services, she is going to see who therefore is saying, hey, and we know that Dee Dee was able to talk to medical professionals in a way that she could obtain information or that she could make them feel a certain way. She did have a background in nursing. Wasn't she a nurse's assistant? She was. That is another thing that I found really interesting because my sister and my brother-in-law are both in the medical field. My brother is a therapist. So they all kind of work in like that medical kind of realm of things. Um, now, first and foremost, let me say I'm not comparing any of those three people to Dee Dee Blanchard. They are definitely not. But what I do find a lot when anybody has any kind of medical ailment, whether 
my sister, my brother, or my brother-in-law are qualified to to diagnose or to talk about those things, they are the first stop. So they are always the medical person that we go to like, hey, when my grandmother was really sick, anytime there's been a sick person, like, what can you tell me about this? And, you know, because they're upstanding professionals, they will be like, you know what, I can't really diagnose that. Or, you know, I, this is what I've seen before or off the medical record, whatever. So like, they're very careful to be cautious of those things. But I'm sure if you have any medical people in your life, like, they're always the first person you want to go to because they tend to know. They know those things. So you want to talk to them. And so part of my thought and theory, she kind of went into nursing, number one, to kind of know how to get around some of these things. But number two, it kind of feeds into that whole thought of like being needed and like being this medical kind of savior. There's all of this background. She kind of has some of this knowledge already. She's already had some things and not that this doctor would know about the family in Louisiana, like not saying anything and like the child walking and not nobody knows about it. But if you are like responsible for people's well-being, don't just say I didn't report it because anything would make a difference. He said he was told like these people are kind of held at like a high regard because of her presence in in Springfield. But it's unbelievable to me. And I really feel like I mean, not only did he do Gypsy a disservice by not saying like, hey, this is happening. I mean, it could have been like a huge pivotal change in this whole story. It is so upsetting that he didn't Mm. think to follow up by reporting to social services. Like I, I can I cannot understand why he would go to the level that he went to and then just, oh, fuck it. Yeah, uh, it'll work itself out. I mean, you just spent a long time, several visits, full of tests. Right. Eh, whatever. And he's like, nobody's going to figure it out. Right. Nobody's going to do anything about it. So I'm just not going to say anything about it where I don't know, maybe I'm just like a busybody, but I feel like I don't care if anybody's going to do anything about it. I feel like I need to be the one that says this is not okay. And I guess why did her... Louisiana medical team not say like, hey, this is a red flag that this is happening. What's going on? I mean, I just, I don't know. So in 2009, there was an anonymous caller who called the police and said that Dee Dee's using different names and birth dates for herself and for Gypsy and suggested that um, Gypsy was not as sick as everybody was saying she was. So officers did come out and do a wellness check And Dee Dee's explanation was that she had to change that information because she was running from an abusive ex-husband. And without checking with her ex-husband and without talking to anybody else or doing any kind of research, they took her at her word and they said that they, Gypsy seemed to genuinely be mentally handicapped and the file was just closed. Um, There's a lot happening with this family And the system just kind of seems to be failing them over and over again. At this point in 2011, she's potentially 18 years old, like in reality, but she's still being portrayed as like a young child. And in February of 2011, she did make an escape attempt. So she met a man at a science fiction convention. So one thing that Dee Dee and Gypsy were really into was like sci-fi, Comic-Con type things. And they would do a lot of these like sci-fi circuits where they would go and meet characters and dress up and do all those things. So she had attended this um, conference with her mom. Obviously, they spent day, night, all the time together. Part of 
the ish with Munchausen by proxy is that you can't really ever let that person out of your sight because you have to be kind of controlling all of their their medications, what they're taking, what they're not taking, all of those things. Gypsy had started communicating with a man online. When they met, she was wearing a blonde wig, no glasses, and she was walking. So this obviously would not have been in front of Dee Dee because Dee Dee, there's a lot of claims that say she for was forbidding her to walk like that she gypsy claims that Dee Dee knew that she knew she could walk and there were a lot of instances of kind of like very abusive like you can't walk you have to stay in your wheelchair or type of thing and one of his friends was present during that and she had a, an id that stated that she was older than 18 the friend of this man knew kind of who she was and brought her back to her mother <laughs> because She's a disabled minor, and uh, that did not go well. With I mean, Dee Dee did come in with paperwork saying that she was a minor, and the first time at the science fiction convention that they met, she was in a wheelchair. She was wearing glasses. She did act and seem every bit of the, you know, illnesses that Dee Dee had told her to present herself as insert X, Y, or Z, whatever. But when she met him at the hospital, that is when she was wearing a blonde wig, no glasses, was walking just fine. I guess they just didn't, they didn't think it added up. Also this dude's in his thirties. So either way, she, even if she is 18, he's in his thirties. That's a little... That's a little much for me on the age range. I mean, yeah, that's a lot, especially <clears throat> when the first instance that they met, she was dressed childlike, acting more childlike, presenting herself in a younger manner overall. Right. Ah. The men that she is attracting are definitely not like number one dudes you want to bring home to your parents and number two like there's a lot of issues there's a lot of other things going on I don't know much about this 30 year old man but if you're if a person approaches you and is like in a wheelchair a dis being portrayed as a disabled child and you're like I'm still cool with this I let's go on a date or let's meet up Mm -mm. like dude's a predator it's now you know a year later she's still continuing to use the internet in secret so Dee Dee finds out about this 30 year old dude and she's like nope she smashes the computer and the cell phones she gets rid of all of their stuff and according to gypsy she's then chained to her bed for two weeks um, I don't think that's that far-fetched it sounds like there was a lot of really abusive kind of imprisonment happening like between the wheelchair situation and the feeding tube and what's going in the feeding tube and what's not going in the feeding tube but somehow she still manages to use the internet she says that it's in secret kind of after Dee Dee goes to bed but a neighbor of hers had been using um some like christian dating site and gypsy had heard about this dating site and then started to you know, use it to find guys. So she met this man named Nicholas Godijan, and he's actually from Wisconsin, but, you know, he has some mental health slash disability issues happening as well. 
Uh, he has a diagnosis of autism, um, specifically Asperger. And they enter a relationship in October, according to Facebook recording. But she had several Facebook accounts uh, that she was utilizing. And um, their relationship happened primarily online. They were living in different states. But for the next two and a half years, they were conversing online through text until the murder took place, which is going to be two and a half years later. So in March of 2005 is actually when Gypsy and Nick meet for the very first time. They are hoping at this meetup in person that Dee Dee will end up liking uh, Nick and that she will allow Gypsy and Nick to date. Gypsy had mailed go to John $800 literally put it in an envelope put a stamp on it put it through the post office I just can't anyway so she mailed him $800 for him to travel to Springfield to meet her mother right this was all happening at a local movie theater to see the premiere of Disney's Cinderella and the meetup was not what they expected Dee Dee overall hated Nick from basically the first second that she spied him, but they were somehow able to sneak away and she lost her virginity to go to John, a men's bathroom stall, which just makes me think about how sticky that area was. Couldn't have been very romantic. I don't, I don't know the, the smell, but whatever she, that's where she lost her virginity. The, the goals of this, because they had three plans for this, uh, this <laughs> meetup, like, right? Yeah. They had three plans. One, again, was to have Nick and Dee Dee meet. Two, was that Dee Dee, again, would like Nick so much that she would allow them to date. Plan C, though, if those didn't work, was to get her pregnant. And then that way, Dee Dee would have to allow Nick and Gypsy to be together because he is the father of Gypsy's baby. She even went as far as stealing baby clothes from Walmart during shopping trips with her mother, like going forward after that. That was like their literal plan. Anyways, after this whole movie theater encounter, Dee Dee punished Gypsy. It was after that day, according to Gypsy, that she decided Dee Dee had to die. Quote, it was not because I hated her. It was because I wanted to escape her. End quote. On May 30th, Nick and Gypsy started to have online conversations detailing the murder of Dee Dee. And they talked about the possible pregnancy that Gypsy may or may not have had resulting their meetup in March. They're... Were they talking about how, or did she indicate that she had a miscarriage? It, it's kind of up for interpretation if you, they have transcripts of the different conversation back and forth so that you can read it. There's also different places that you can listen to it. And again, yes, she could have been talking about that, or also maybe that's just another way to um, add to the the fantasy life that they had going on because they did have some interesting relationship details that we will get into later, but they very much mm-hmm. played into this fantasy role play area. So was that part of the story that she had going on? Anyways, they also discussed how they were going to pleasure each other sexually on the public bus 
after Dee Dee's murder. Which, Which you go from a movie theater bathroom to a public bus. I mean, that is like, that's like romance at its finest. I don't know. I think I'm doing things wrong. I would, I would pick the public bus. <laughs> are we picking or are we not picking? We're not picking. I, I okay, mean, just you kidding. just, you just pick. <laughs> So we're, <laughs> you deal with that, you're on your own. But I just feel like there's so many interesting things, um, kind of getting back to the whole pregnancy, is she not, is she, is she not type of situation. It seems very historical. You know, she, when Dee Dee got pregnant with Gypsy, it was very much like a, oh, whoops, now I'm pregnant type of a situation. Are we at the beginning of, history repeating itself like another you know gypsies had all these things happening to her and now she's saying I don't know if she was pregnant or not we don't have any proof and I don't I don't I didn't find any information otherwise but you know is this and I can like trap a man like that's the way to go but can you imagine how well that was going to go with Dee Dee if she was pregnant (laughs) like that's not going to be just like oh you come on and live here this is fine I don't know why she thought that conversation was going or why that situation panned out in her fantasy world. Like, I don't see how that would happen. I honestly, her, her emotional level of intelligence in romantic relationships is not at the level that her peers were at at that point uh so I could see how she could have possibly been uh exaggerating in order to I could see her trapping a man I could see her trying (laughs) it like that I could she had been manipulated against her whole life she had been taught very well how to lie how to play up different things oh we're going to this doctor because there were certain doctors and certain diagnoses throughout the year that gypsy would have had to play along at some uh, in some way shape or form sure or just been so drugged out of her mind which again would you think would impair you know brain function and 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 uh emotional intelligence going forward I I don't know what what kind of medication I know what kind of medication she was on but I don't know all the medications that she was on and for how long and what kind of symptoms that that could manifest going forward after being put on medication that you don't need for such a long period of time there's so many medications that she's on there's so many different things she's taking there's so many different diagnoses of different things And with prolonged exposure to medication that we don't know if you need or not, I don't know what the long-term, like, mental effects are on that, what happens to your immune system. To be taking this for your whole life, and now you're at least least 18, that's a long time. And when she was, what, like, seven, when all this kind of started, like, really kind of kicking up, it's a lot of years to be having unneeded and unnecessary treatments and medications and the feeding tubes and all of that. And that was the 30th that they have this online <laughs> conversation talking about the murder, talking about how they're going to sex each other up on the public bus <laughs> after the murder. Amazing. Uh, all of that wonderful stuff. <laughs> on the 6th, Gypsy straight up asks Nick if she can have sex with someone else after the murder. A man she met online. 
um, like right before they left town. And Nick, he says, yeah, that's fine. Uh, He just wants to be around to make sure everything's okay. Everything goes well. Yeah. Okay, fine. I mean, everybody is, that's their relationship. Okay. He said yes. So uh, whatever. On the 8th, Gypsy tells Nick that Dee Dee made her sleep outside on the porch. And this is just showing that she had so many conversations with him over the years about the things that Dee Dee had done to her. So she had manipulated Nick in, and again, this is my personal opinion, but she had manipulated Nick in a way that she had learned to manipulate people from her mother firsthand. She saw her mom doing this. She used those same kind of techniques um, on Nick in order to, to get him to want to step in, to fill that hero complex, to, to say yes to coming to rescue her from this terrible situation that she's in because she she probably doesn't see another way out of it and 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 not but also you know she 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 doesn't want to get her hands dirty or she can't bring herself to 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 do to do it herself so she has built up over the years this story to Nick I'm not saying that it's not all true stuff but she has again told Nick all of these things because at this point they're they've been dating for two and a half years the next day on June 9th Nick arrives in Springfield and they plan the murder for later that evening in the wee hours of the morning on the 10th because Nick's like running low on cash the money that Gypsy gave him to come out there to murder her mother uh, was not, it wasn't substantial. So they had to do the murder that night. That way they could steal money from Dee Dee in order to cover another night at the hotel and to get back home. So on the 10th, when he got confirmation that Dee Dee was asleep, Nick went to the Blanchard's house where Gypsy gave him a knife and some duct tape. I, I feel like it was Hello Kitty duct tape. No, it was not. Gypsy then went to hide in the bathroom with her hands over her ears while go to John stabbed Dee Dee to death. There mm. were 17 stab wounds and Dee Dee was almost decapitated. Then to cap the night off, Gypsy and go to John have sex immediately following, which is just fucking nasty. Like, get out of there. Get out of there. Oh, then they cleaned right. up afterwards. Then they cleaned up afterwards. I mean, how considerate of you. There's so many things that are wrong with this whole case and with the happenings of this. But to have sex with your boyfriend who, I mean, yeah, you've been together for two years. But, like, you literally just met this person. And he just killed your mother. And there's, like, blood and this in itself could probably be its own psychological like podcast episode like there's just so much that's happening in this whole situation I mean the whole situation but then like this is how you end that evening I don't know I mean like why like you said why are you not running as far as you can away from this place I just think there's a difference between liking some pain with your pleasure and having all of that be consensual, but being turned on by murder or or, or to be able to perform sex 
any type of sexual act in, immediately after following something like that to me means yeah there you you've got some you've got some things that aren't um i mean that's just not mm-mm. so that night they they clean up like you said and they go to stay overnight in at the motel that nicholas is, st- is staying at in springfield before catching a bus to his home in big bend wisconsin the plan is that Gypsy is going missing and she's essentially going off to kind of start this new life and, you know, everything is going to work out from here on out for her. This is where, I mean, I know we said at the beginning, like trigger warning, but trigger warning for real. So that afternoon, a pair of disturbing posts appeared on Dee Dee's Facebook page, but all kind of stemmed from one like status update. Now I know Facebook makes me sound like an old person like I don't think they do status updates anymore but like that you know you could have like Dee Dee Blanchard is wherever so on her page it said that bitch is dead and that was the first message so of course people see this and they're like this is not how Dee Dee Blanchard talks like this this seems out of the ordinary so people start messaging and wondering has their page been hacked has something happened so then a second message came on and it's kind of what prompted people to say like, definitely this is not normal. Something is happening. So the message wrote, I fucking slashed that fat pig and raped her sweet, innocent daughter. Her scream was so fucking loud, LOL. So Gypsy said that she urged Go to John to post the updates to ensure that Dee Dee's body would be found. Like, there's a lot of things that she did to make sure that this would be like a missing situation. But then she says she's doing things because she couldn't stand the thought of her mom just being there. And, you know, it could have taken months to find her if nobody knew where she was. So I wanted her found so she could have a proper burial, which is what she told 2020. But there has been some different conflicting statements that actually say that Nicholas said that Gypsy was the one who was posting the updates. To me, if I'm giving like my personal armchair detective thought on it, it's that this is like a cry for attention, just like what we've seen that her entire life. Now that this act has happened, she kind of wants people to know like she was involved or that she could be missing or that, you know, people are going to start worrying about her. And this is kind of her way of getting her mother out of the way and making it. Oh, poor gypsy. She's now, you know, an orphan or whatever. Maybe life with Nick's family wasn't exactly what all she thought it was going to be. Maybe maybe she did actually start feeling bad. Maybe and that all could, the adrenaline like wore off and she was like, fuck. Well, and I feel like if you live in a fantasy world, like it sounds like the two of them lived, you know, listening to the transcripts of their conversations with each other the multiple personalities, the different characters that they had going on, all of that, I would imagine, feels all well and good when you shut the computer and is like, well, now I'm going to go to sleep and I'm in this safe environment, even if it was awful, like even if it's this kind of abusive situation, you're shutting off those parts. And now like you can't undo that. Now this lady's you know, your mom is dead. And so what are you going to do? And maybe there was some reality kind of attached to that. It wasn't like he was, she wasn't going home to like the cleavers, like, here we go. Like, 
here's this perfect family where it's going to be this nuclear mom, dad, and dinners at five. Like, that's not what she was walking into. So the police obtained a warrant um, to enter the Blanchard's house, and they found Dee Dee's body. So there was a neighbor who had really kind of taken Gypsy in as, like, her little sister. And so Aaliyah had told police about Gypsy and Godajan's relationship because they she knew because Gypsy had told her like, hey, I have this boyfriend and he's online. And so they were able to obtain his IP address from Facebook and track him down and ultimately find that Gypsy was in his home. So the police agencies in um, Waukesha County, Wisconsin, which is where Nicholas lived, raided the go to John's home and took Gypsy and Nicholas into custody on the charges of murder and felony armed criminal action. They were extradited back to Missouri and held on a $1 million bond. Friends of the Blanchards were initially relieved to hear that they had found Gypsy alive, because at this point, unless you're Nicholas, you are thinking that Gypsy is either this terribly abused child or she has all of these disabilities and now she's somewhere where she can't get to her medications and she doesn't have proper care. So they're fully relieved that she's been found and she's alive and she's safe. And her wheelchair had also been left behind. So when the police went in or they could see from the window, that was one of the reasons why the police did the welfare check was because Dee Dee's car was still there and they could see Gypsy's wheelchair. Which right. is strange as fuck to For find that- somebody who is wheelchair bound, <clears throat> not in their wheelchair for several days. That's right. weird. A little, a little odd. So the Springfield police warned in a press conference that things are not always as they appear. Although the family is relieved that they have found her, I don't know that they're thinking like she's not in her wheelchair. What's happening? But the police are like, hold up. There's stuff going down here. So they're kind of aware that this is unfolding. They're kind of getting the story. But meanwhile, family, friends, all of those are still kind of unaware that things are happening. So it soon emerged that Gypsy had never been sick and that Dee Dee had kind of engineered this big charade um, that fooled their entire community. So not only is the Springfield community now in shock that this had happened, but also the, you know, her family, her father, all of these people are starting to learn that this was not the case. So there's a lot of different things that are flying around in everyone's thoughts. People don't like to be tricked, quote unquote. And so I'm sure there were a lot of emotions kind of unfolding on top of the death of, of Dee Dee. And with Munchausen's by proxy, Gypsy did believe her she did believe she had a lot of those illnesses why would you not if I started telling my child right now uh she's three years old if I started telling her right now that she was incapable of doing x y and z well guess what she's probably going to start being incapable of doing x y and z or it's it's going to you know cause if 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 i tell her oh you are so sick you have cancer why would she not believe that she was so sick and had cancer i have a child who's almost seven and a child who's four 
And I have to be very careful about what I say when like they say they're not feeling well or whatever, because they're little kids. And so if they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm very sick or I could have X, Y, Z, you know, as a parent, you're their gauge of what is a big deal and what isn't and what is possible and what is not. And if you're constantly telling your child you can't walk or you can't eat regular food because you need to eat from a feeding tube, why wouldn't you believe that that's your mom? Exactly. Or you're allergic to shellfish. Oh, shit. I better not eat shellfish. Like, why Why am I going to test that? What right. good is My that going to do me? Said I can't do that, so I shouldn't do that. Because she said if I did, I would get very sick or I could die. Like, who wants to? I'm not going to test that. And she's already being force-fed all sorts of medication, like, you, that, which could possibly be mimicking said symptoms. And it right. could just be, right. I know, like, Xanax and Vicodin were things that were easily accessible in their house as well. Like, I mean, who's to say she was even in her right mind for I mean I don't think she was in her right mind during a lot of any of this so just over a year after on July 5th 2016 Gypsy pleaded guilty to murdering Didi and was sentenced to 10 years in present in prison for second degree murder at the sentencing the prosecutor noted that the extraordinary and unusual the extraordinary and unusual circumstances of the case. He told the Springfield news leader that while he believed he could have secured a first degree murder conviction, which can carry the death penalty or life without parole, he didn't believe that it would be fair given the abuse that Gypsy had suffered. In November of 2018, Nicholas Godejohn was found guilty of first degree murder after a four day trial during which Gypsy testified that the plan to kill Dee Dee originated with her and spoke about the master and slave role that she and Godajan assumed within their relationship. She also testified that Godajan said he wanted to rape Dee Dee on the night of the murder and that she had offered herself to him in her mother's place. Like, what? So there, it's so gross. a lot to stomach. It's really hard. You know, you talk about them having sex in the house after she was murdered but to to be discussing raping I just I can't I just can't but I do know that during when he was being questioned one of the police officers asked him did you rape her after you murdered her and his response was like well I thought about it but I didn't which, number one, to me, makes me feel like you're telling the truth because what a fucking horrible answer. But number two, why are you thinking about like that there again, we head into psychological kind of territory. So much to unwrap in in the plan that like, I mean, what was carried out and what wasn't. But to to discuss that and just kind of be, well, I mean, I thought about it. It's like, it's not like what you want for dinner. Like, that's like. Maybe I the thought, thought of, seriously just crossed his mind. And so he's like, yeah, I thought about it. He he is extremely honest. I did watch the entire investigation and mm-hmm. they just asked him the questions and he, without batting an eye, just gave, gave his answer. I believe Nick more than I believe Gypsy. I will say mm. I I feel as if lies come 
easier to gypsy than they do to Nick. And so for me, since this came from Dee Dee, or excuse me, since that came from Gypsy and not from Nick, I mean, maybe she's just trying to get herself out of a little bit more trouble or. I do think, yeah, I do think the manipulation in Dee Dee or in Gypsy is very strong. Um, But a lot of what I read and saw based on Nick's testimony and his questioning was very honest. He never once. I believe at one point he even says, I would do it again. He did lie at the beginning. So for a little while, he was lying during his interrogation. But uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that's understandable, but kind of understandable. You know, I mean, but the immediately when they were like, no, that's not that's not what happened. He was like, oh, okay." And from then on, I, I and if he does have Asperger's, maybe that also played into some of him trying to lie about it due to possible emotional intelligence or because it was an authoritative figure that maybe he might have not had the best relationship with in the past. So he feels like maybe that's not somebody who's typically on his side. Or on February 22nd of 2019 he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for first degree murder and a concurrent 25 year sentence on the charge of armed criminal action the 10 years versus life in prison are two very different it's super fucked i'm sorry yeah it that upsets me a lot and we'll, I guess we'll finish talking about that later, but it just, yeah. to me that it, it just doesn't seem super fair, but. Right. So that brings us to the end of our timeline. Um, now there are several things that we're really going to kind of dive into that have to do with this case that kind of are all a recipe for what happened and what re- went wrong. And the first kind of topic or things is really just kind of the medical side of things and how doctors really did have a lot of concerns. Medical tests had often shown inconclusive or contradictory results resulting in Gypsy's diagnoses, but Dee Dee would just stop seeing those doctors who questioned her daughter's ailments. And many caregivers also went along with what Dee Dee wanted because the nurse training that we had talked about previously. Mm-hmm. So she was able to accurately describe symptoms and she oftentimes gave Gypsy medication to mimic certain conditions. When they went through her house, they even found different books. One that Rod Blanchard said stuck out to him, the ex-husband that stuck out to him that they saw was called leukemia for dummies. So she was reading up on all of these different ailments and conditions as well in order to give more accurate symptoms in order to use the correct verbiage for things to make herself sound more educated. She also went through multiple surgeries including procedures on her eyes. 
the removal of her salivary glands, her teeth started rotting, uh, perhaps due to medications or neglect or missing those glands. They were at least partially pulled out. I think I heard the entire top, all of her top teeth were pulled. Yes. And so she just, yeah, she had a lot of unnecessary surgeries. However, as Amy stated earlier, they were surgeries that were very easy to get if you knew the things to say because they were hard to test. She had tubes in her ears, which is also a really common thing that they'll do for kids. And a lot of doctors, I know, like if you go to a doctor who is very overly proactive, like, oh, just do it now because it'll make it easier and you'll have to be fine with the surgery and it's not a big, you know. And if you're okay with that as a parent and you feel fine with, you know, going through with those surgeries, not that there's anything wrong with that. um, You know, there are definitely medical professionals out there who are quick to, okay, yep, you say that this is what it is. You're obviously a caring person you're taking care of this very sick child we want to get you all the help that we can that we can and so there were lots of different that Didi played on that sympathy of folks and knowing her shit when it came to medical stuff and so when somebody questioned them they just went somewhere else right which how is that even I know it happens. I mean, you hear it happen all the time. If you, you know, people work in the medical field and they say you can spot like somebody who's like a a hospital jumper who's looking for mm-hmm. medication or whatever. But for to need all of those records as a child who is, you know, very sick, I just don't understand how she's just jumping from place to place to place to place to place. Seems crazy that only one doctor ever thought to call in social right. services. Not that they did, but only one doctor ever thought to thoroughly try to investigate. Everybody else just took it at face value. But there were a lot of people, medical professions or otherwise, that really kind of failed this situation. Um, they were from Louisiana, which, you know, I'm not from the South. And I don't want to like be stereotypical of Southern people because I'm sure everybody's different. It seemed like the community that she grew up in was kind of like mind your business. That's their circus. This is ours. We're not going to get involved. We're not going to overstep our bounds. Really started with Rod, who is Gypsy's father, 17, and Dee Dee was 24. I'm cool with age differences. I don't have a real super issue with like my, he was 17. He's a child. Yes. And she's 24. Now, I don't think I was an adult at 24, but also I wasn't dating 17 year olds either. Like that's like, why, why, why? I don't want anything to do with 17 year olds unless I'm 17. I don't like, no, it's get out of here. So there is definitely that predatory kind of reaction to that. Now, I do want to say when I found out this information, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. It's not like it gives me a little bit of a Nick feeling. But a lot of the stuff I was listening to was like, 
I mean, it's fine. But then when it got to like the 30 year old and the 18 year old, they were like, that's horrible. And I'm like, this is really not different. Like, this is the same to me. It like feels icky and gross. It does feel icky and gross to me. I do not like it. I do not like it at all. And I feel bad for Rod. I feel like he was super manipulated by Dee Dee as well. So she gets pregnant very early and he does what most Southern kind of culture tells you to do is he gets, they get married. Mm-hmm. Um, they're married for only a short period of time before he realizes like, this is not going to work for me. And he leaves, but he does continue to send child support. He continues to pay alimony. It's like a hundred dollars a month, I think at the beginning, but he's freaking 17, 18 years old. Like he's a kid and he's still trying to take care of those responsibilities. Dee Dee told Rod that their daughter had chromosomal disorders, which led to lots of different health issues. And he doesn't know any different. So he's like thinking she's this great and devoted mother and she's doing all these things. And he's working really hard to make sure he's sending them money when he can. Dee Dee definitely keeps Gypsy at an arm's length from Rod. He doesn't get to see her very often. And then once Hurricane Katrina hit and they relocated, it was really like, cut off like there was not a lot you know he would call and she would say oh she's sleeping or you can't talk to her right now so there was a lot of distance put in between there and not that I'm saying like it's okay for him to not take a more vested interest in his daughter's life at the same time when you're being told over and over again like she's very sick she has all of these things and you just believe that you start to distance yourself and then you know he eventually remarries and you know like you kind of he moves on with his life there's a lot of interviews with Rod and he feels a lot of guilt I think which is natural I would probably too but he seems to really even though she's in jail now like really kind of be trying to make up for the the slip between the cracks that he just kind of took at face value the next three people we'll talk about are definitely the most heated folks to talk about but we're going to talk a little bit more about Nick and how we feel about him. Z, you have said that you feel overall bad for him. I do feel bad for Nick. I, he would have never been in this situation without Gypsy. I just True. feel, I feel like he is a fucking murderer and should suffer consequences of said murder. But if Gypsy is going to get 10 years and then she can be out on parole at age 32 and live her whole fucking life. Then I don't understand why you, because of the manipulation, her, 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 her overall, you know, mental illnesses that resulted because of the Munchausen by proxy. The system also failed Nick just as severely, if not more so. And and he's going to be life in prison. And I did watch his a couple of interviews of him lately, and he just he needs help. He he doesn't seem. Again, he murdered somebody. That, to me, makes you a bad person. But he doesn't seem like a bad person. Like, it seems like something that was awful that he did. And it's super shitty that he was in a state of mind where he could be talked into something like that. But it was also years and years and years of manipulation. And, again, the system failed him. 
as well. So that is why I overall feel bad. It's not that uh, for him. It's not that I feel bad necessarily that he is in prison. I just feel bad that a lot of people will stick up for Gypsy and her rights as a person and the things that she wasn't able to do that she should be able to do going forward. But yet it doesn't feel like there is the same call to action for Nick, who to me is in a very, very similar situation. I can agree with that to an extent for sure. I think that you have two very opposite sides of the coin here when we're talking about Nick and we're talking about Gypsy. So you've got Gypsy, who was raised by a woman in a very mentally unstable environment, who has been told she is very sick her entire life, eventually catches on that she's not okay, like that this is not right, or I need to get out of this situation, finds somebody who, and how she kind of knew that this person would follow through or maybe she didn't and she was looking for other people. She wanted to have sex with that guy right before he, Nick ended up showing up. So maybe she had other dudes she was working on this with that we just don't like know about. And he just happened to be the one who took the bait. Definitely think there were things and it sounds like Nick's upbringing, not great. Like there's a lot of things happening in his life too that were really bad. But like we said earlier, like you still have to be able to function in society And yes, he had some mental blockers. There's some different things that are preventing him from being able to like think maybe clearly, potentially some schizophrenia. He talked about having a lot of different personalities. Um, She definitely plays on that by like creating characters that are like the counterpart to his, he's got like the evil one and like the slutty one. And like, there's all these like different characters that she picked somebody to match right along with it. And we'll kind of go over that more when we get to her. But like, what, where is she getting this? And like, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna, this is where I start to get like, ah, this is makes me so mad. But he's got all of these things. But also, he's a person and he came from a state to it wasn't like a split second. Oh, my gosh, I shot this person in there. Like in it. I can't believe I did that. I hit them with my car, like something that happened very quickly. This was a two and a half year well thought out, driving to this place, finding all of these things, doing all of the talking about it for months to for this to happen. It just seems like, yes, he should have had more behind him. But also, like, you got to be able to say, like, this is right and this is wrong. And he just wasn't able to do that. I do think she was playing into some of that with her characters and different things that she talked about. I'm not very well versed BDSM community, but Nick was very into it. And he seemed very involved in like the online communities. So Nick definitely had some relationships with some people that were a little different. There's definitely some hilarious transcripts out there. Um, I mean, talking about like, I made a deal with the devil and I have to do, it's just a lot of things that just really kind of go to show the people he's surrounding himself with aside from gypsy are not okay. Like it's just not, it's not all right. So there's also some transcripts that talk about him discussing with his friends, like whether or not she's crazy. 
he had talked to other people about this plan to kill Dee Dee. It wasn't just something he kept between him and Gypsy. But to me, that tells me like you knew this was a calculated plan. Like you knew what was going on. Now, whether or not she knew the strings to pull to get him to do what she wanted him to do, it was definitely not a healthy mindset of like wherever he was, whether it was not on medication, his disorders and his, you know, mental illness was not being treated. There are some instances of, you know, maybe he had some mania happening where it was kind of going up and down. There's definitely talk of schizophrenia. So there's just a lot kind of going on with him. Something that happened that I I heard about this the first time I ever heard about this case. And I still to this day am baffled by the story. And I really want to talk to the manager of this McDonald's because oh, I don't no. understand what is happening. And I'm assuming you've you've heard this, the McDonald's okay. story. So for those of you who are unaware of the McDonald's story, um, this occurred during he's dating Gypsy at this time. So this is not something that happened a long time ago that, you know, oh, wow, that was a weird period of my life. Like this is like a current kind of thing that's going on. So he had pleaded no contest to disorderly conduct for allegedly viewing pornography on his laptop at a McDonald's and touching himself inappropriately. I believe the term that they used was fondling himself um, for nine hours. One, it was eight hours, Amy. Get your shit together. Sorry, eight hours. I mean, all right, it was only Same eight. Thing. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. Eight hours. That's He that's also had... Hard. He also had a knife in his pocket. Was, which a was huge like a knife. Fact. Right. Like a huge, like a not normal knife to just be carrying around. I so, just feel like having a knife that close to uh, your possibly erect genitals is not a situation I would put myself in as a male. So that's an interesting decision. But also, I have so many questions. Okay, so now... We know about the knife. I knew about the knife. Nobody said anything to you for nine hours. Like, can you imagine like taking your kid in there to get him to get a happy meal? And it's like, oh, don't mind that guy in the corner. Like what? Nine hours and nobody like punched this guy out or called the police. It's fucking weird. Like maybe he'll stop. We'll just we'll just let it go. It's very weird that it went on for eight hours. I mean, if somebody had said two, I could have been like, I don't know, maybe it was 2 p.m. Okay, maybe the quiet, there wasn't a lot happening. Did he order food while he was there? Like, I need to know these questions. And how did that conversation go? Like, you're a 15, 16 year old kid working at McDonald's and you're like, um, excuse me, boss. There's a... (laughs) What's happening? Like, I just, I'm like, what? It is a really. And who watches eight hours porn? Yeah. Excessive. I feel like there would be some chafing, but it is a particular situation to be put in as the manager. I will tell you, we used to have a chronic masturbator. So I worked at a retail location. And it also had home goods and clothing. It was the whole shebang. We had a guy that we nicknamed him the ejaculator. And he would masturbate in the pillow aisle looking at the lingerie. Mm. 
And they ended up catching him because on camera footage at the front of the store, one time he decided to drive by and expose himself and they could read the license plate numbers. (laughs) Okay, but I was on shift one of the times. And I would run away. Yeah, I was uh, a manager and I had an employee come up to me and let me know. And it was very, uh, I just, we had security there at the time, thankfully, which was a different department. And so I just called them and was like, "Uh, you figure this shit out, please. Thank you. How did you handle it? Did you see him? Did you like see, like, did you come in close contact with him? Uh, yeah, no. I probably walked past him, but I'm a very quick walker. And especially at the time, if I had something that I was going to do, like if he stopped for 30 seconds, like I might have not noticed, you know what I'm saying? But did I watch every bit of camera footage? Yes. Yes, I did. I was friends with the <laughs> loss prevention officer <laughs> and made them let me witness the I'm it was I was the manager on duty Amy and it was you needed my to literal duty you needed to see it so I don't know if you know this about me or if our listeners know this about me but I'm actually a 12 year old boy so <laughs> when I hear stuff about like masturbating in public it's too much bathroom humor I can't I can't not if I am in person I don't know what I'm going to do when my children reach that age where like they're taught. I mean, like, I don't, I cannot help, but like laugh. It's funny. Get freaked out, run away. Like I am a grown ass woman and I will forever be a 12 year old boy. Like I can't, I can't do it. I don't know. So if I was, I guess maybe that's why I can't get this whole McDonald's thing out of my head. Because like, if I was that manager, I would just be laughing. Like, I don't know what I would do. But I mean, I guess if it was in person, like, it's pretty violating. So I don't know, like. Actually, it's kind of scary a little bit. And then it's like a rush because this manager. And like, yes, we're making light of this. But please don't masturbate in public. Like, let's just not condone that. It's not a good idea. I mean, it's, it's, my story was funny. I laugh about it. But also at the time, I was very concerned for my employees because somebody who was masturbating in public that is just I mean find a closed door like there's bathrooms like they had stall doors on them I don't know we're like stay at home I just probably stay at home is your best option (laughs) made at home and I do your own thing but not at McDonald's and not in the middle of yeah of pillow mart like that's just not where you're supposed to be That store manager was honestly probably a little scared or the manager that was on was probably a little younger, maybe not underqualified, but maybe not the most experienced person. Who knows? Maybe it was the store manager, but I bet that they were a little, if not a lot, concerned about the safety of their employees. Well, and I don't know if that's really covered in the McDonald's like employee handbook. It is not covered. So what are you going to do? Like, what just, What do you do? Excuse you, me, sir. Can you stop? Like, I don't know what I don't you know. call and, the police. And if they but that's what I don't understand is like, yeah, you call OK, the police. hour one, call the cops. Like, why are we yeah. still letting this happen? Yeah. Not eight hours later. It just doesn't. 
It just doesn't make sense. So a lot to wrap up and go to John. There's just a lot of things about him that are odd and different. But, you know, when you've got one side of the coin, we got Gypsy on the other side. There's a lot to unpack there, too. I heard this on a podcast, but I actually knew this fact. So and made me feel really cool. So Gypsy Rose, um, Gypsy Rose Blanchard is like her full name. And if you are a Broadway person or you're a musical fan, uh, the musical um, Gypsy is about a girl who she's like a stripper, essentially. And so it's about the girl. It's about it's the story itself is about Rose, who is her mother. But she's like the ultimate like dance mom. Like she's uh, like you're now like Aurora's dance mom. Like this would be you. (laughs) Aurora was like a 25 year old stripper, which she's (laughs) which she's not. And she's not going to be. But um, so the situations are very different. Obviously, you've got this dance mom, but she's very like. It's very dance mom-esque. And so you've got these two parallels where you've got Gypsy Blanchard, whose mother is very involved, overbearing, controls everything. And there's no, like, proof that she was named after Gypsy. But, I mean, I don't know how she couldn't be. But it's interesting, the parallels. Because, I mean, that's some foreshadowing, if I ever did see any. But very interesting, I thought. Agreed. Did you know that Nick was not the only dude that she met online? She met several men online. I know we talked about the man that she was going to sleep with. Then she also continued to have conversations online with sci-fi convention dude. But she was like, it is a known fact that there were more people than that, specifically men in their 30s and 40s when at the time she was... 23 uh ish when her mom died yeah so ish which shame on you 30s and 40 year old men well okay so to me at that point you're in your level of maturity where it's not as necessarily weird if they're in their like younger 30s or whatever because i just think okay 17's different 18's different for me, once you turn like 22, 23, like, okay, your, your, your brain has uh, like basically fully formed all your shit's working. You're not an adult adult, but you're like not a kid anymore. Okay. You're so not for 17, me, so yeah. So for me, that's different. It just on her part, it's crazy or just for me shows Furthermore, that she is manipulative and that she is intelligent in ways that she tries not to allow people to see all the time because she was interacting with these older men in their 30s and 40s. It also like, I mean, that just says classic daddy issues to me a little bit. And was that her playing into that need to feel protected? I think that definitely is a theory and also... I'm not fully convinced that she was not in, she was not trying to catch somebody who could, like you said, save her and whether that meant steal her away or kill her mom or whatever. Like this is this, I, I wouldn't 
you wouldn't it wouldn't take a lot of convincing to tell me that that was kind of part of the plan. And now she needed some backup plans. If this guy isn't going to work out, maybe this guy will. And if this guy isn't, then maybe this guy. So to have all those multiple profiles and you're trying to talk to different types of people, it seems like a lot of fishing to me for whatever reason, whether it's nefarious and you're fishing for people to help you commit a crime or you're fishing for the attention of multiple older men. Not sure. Gypsy is currently engaged to not Nick. She is actually engaged to a man she met inside prison. Well, he was one of those prison writer people. So they had been communicating that way. Um, Not much is really known about him. You can find his name. Um, There is just one real image of them together. Again, you can find his first and last name, but really his first name is what's floating around. Uh, I didn't look too far into it because it seems like this guy is kind of trying to be low key and he could really cash in a lot at this point from interviews and things. And he doesn't. So, right. You know, trying to keep it that way. I find that to be very interesting, not only because she's met a different person that Mm -hmm. now knows all of the story and is like, I'm okay with that. But also what happened between her? Like, can you, (laughs) Hey dude, thanks for killing my mom. This was fun. Peace out. Do it again. Unless, I mean, I, I have heard in certain like criminal cases, like you can't, there's no interaction with the person that you've had the crime with. I mean, now you're in trouble. Like you can't, it's not like you can exactly call into another prison. Yeah. And if you wanted to send a letter, you would have to send it through the prison system. And therefore, if they don't want you to communicate, they don't want you to communicate. Nick did state in at least one of the interviews that I watched that he was still in love with her. It made, it just made me feel really conflicted for him. I, I just, he's, he's a murderer and he's guilty. He is, but he has taken responsibility and he's taken accountability in a way that I don't feel like Gypsy really and truly has. And maybe Gypsy isn't able to, maybe that is not part of her conditioning growing up. Maybe that just isn't in her wheelhouse of emotions because she came from such a toxic household. Uh, who knows the kind of effects that that had on her psychologically. But again, to me, it just, it really broke my heart. Poor Nick. I mean, also, fuck you, Nick. Don't murder people, but. one masturbate in McDonald's. Stop masturbating in McDonald's. Everyone. <laughs> you walk away from this episode with no other knowledge. Don't masturbate in a McDonald's. Just please don't. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's crazy to me. I always find it so fascinating when there are people who are like, I sought out this person that I know is a murderer or that's done X, Y, Z, and I want to marry them. I'm like, what in the world? I cannot believe that Gypsy got 10 years and Nick <laughs> got life in prison when 
people with marijuana charges in legal states have less of a sentence than she has. And she literally convinced a man to murder somebody for her. Nick has life in prison when he also has a lot of issues that require help and therapy and assistance in ways that the prison system isn't set up to be the best place for either of them. So if we're going to allow gypsies everything in life and the circumstances that she was dealt and that she had to live through, if we're going to allow that to influence our opinion um, on her sentencing and to lessen her charges, then again, I don't understand why that same logic isn't met with him she was also like (sighs) did you watch the interrogation footage i did i did she was talking to the dude about harry potter and you know her 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 recent visit to the wizarding world for like straight up 45 minutes like just having like this jolly old conversation and that's when her voice starts to change a little bit and she's like making very coherent sentences and like her voice significantly drops from like the super childlike stage into like Not really high yeah yeah into i mean it's still a higher pitched voice but it it like a it's, normal octave yeah exactly Um, And but then when the police officer comes in to start the actual interrogation, her voice suddenly it's up another like half an octave. He's a person of authority. He's a person of authority in her entire life. And I'm not saying that this is right. But the other dude was in in, in a police officer outfit, too. Right. But he has established himself as an ally. He has, he's talking to her. He's making small talk. He's like, I'm going to help you. So she's naturally relaxing and like, okay, like I'm going to, whether it's like, I'm going to be friends with you or I'm going to use this to my advantage. But then this other guy comes in who's maybe playing the part of the bad cop. And now all of a sudden, like, I have to kind of revert back to those things that I've done my entire life where I've been told to lie and manipulate and be different. Now, that being said, I obviously you've got this kind of behavior. You're aware of what you're doing. It might be a learned response. It might be a defense mechanism. There are a lot of different things. But when we look at their sentencing, I feel like there's a lot of things that I don't think is super fair about that. Number one, Nicholas is a male. And I do think oftentimes men get harsher sentences, not always, because there have definitely been some men that have been on trial that are like, oh, well, we don't want to ruin his life. And so we're just going to let him go because he's a good kid type of a situation. But Gypsy is also viewed in some circles as and she is partially a victim. She has been held captive and manipulated her entire life. She doesn't know anything different. Now, she's also formulated an entire plan, which tells me, you know, something like there's some sort of things in your brain that are telling you what's right and what's wrong and how to get people to do what you want them to do. But she has been led her entire life to believe she's terminally ill. And I don't know what that does to somebody's psyche. I mean, obviously makes them kill their parents. Like, 
I don't know, but after years and years of being taught how to abuse somebody and showing like violent influence on others, I just can't believe that in 2023, she could possibly be walking out on parole. To me, that just, it, yeah, to me, that just doesn't exactly add up. And I am not saying that it's fair and I am not saying that it's right or that I think 10 years is enough time. I also don't think that either of them are in the right facility. Yes. It is not where you need to be. Yes, you are a criminal. Yes, you murdered somebody. I get that. But, like, there are mental barriers at play here that need to be addressed. And neither of, yes, they murdered somebody, but I don't know that I would classify either of them as violent. I know that sounds real dumb to say they murdered somebody pretty violently, but also like that's a, I don't, that's a different kind of violent. I don't know. Yeah. I just, the line was very bad on her part during the interrogation at first, for sure. She literally referred to her mother in the past tense several times before the cop was like, yo, uh, your mom's dead. So let's talk about that. And then she was all, ah, what do you mean? Like you literally just referred to her in the past tense multiple mm-hmm. times before you, this like grand freak out. So you, you'd already right. you'd already trapped yourself in this lie. Yes, agreed. And also when she was talking to family, like even like during the trial, when they finally it was still very like, what's happening? I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. Until she finally realizes, like, jig is up. Like, everybody knows what's happening. So, um, we wouldn't be able to talk about the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard without talking a little bit about Dee Dee Blanchard here. Um, and giving a little bit of a backstory on her. So, Dee Dee was actually, which, if you look, you can find old pictures of her. She's not, like classically like beautiful but she was a beauty queen like girl had some style and grace like in her day so she was definitely um she definitely used that to her advantage um when they I did not watch the HBO documentary because I do not have HBO and I'm a poor person and I'm not going to pay for it but you should have told me you could have borrowed my HBO account don't say that out loud. If HBO hears you, you got to just text me that shit, man. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> HBO, no. Don't. Uh, do don't. That. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I didn't watch that. But I did get, I was able to kind of, like, get a hold of clips of it. And, like, I saw different things. So, I, I mean, I understand the gist of it. I listened to True Crime Obsessed podcast. And they did, like, a kind of a play-by-play of a documentary. But, when people found out she was dead, it's people didn't have a lot of really nice things to say. <laughs> it was kind of like, oh, I mean, not surprising. Like, it was just kind of crazy. And her, her brothers family. and sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Her family straight up dogged her after her death. Like, during the mommy, dear and dearest, which was very good. I mm-hmm. very much liked it. Um, they straight up. We're like, yeah, no, she wasn't a good person. Her stepmother disclosed that she thought that Dee Dee was 
poisoning her with Roundup. Literally, when Dee Dee left, all of a sudden, homegirl's, like, able to do cartwheels and backflips in the living room right? for company. Like, everything all of a sudden is fine. She had written and, like, opened accounts and written bad checks in her, like, dad's name or her uncle's name or her grandfather's name or maybe all of the above I remember it was male family members specifically right I don't know why that stuck out to me it just kind of did I mean I I feel like she has a definite thing with men and then any man that wanted to kind of come in contact with Gypsy it was very aggressive hard stop like there was never going to be any kind of any kind of anything so she took care of her mother before her mother passed away. We talked a little bit about that. And many people speculate that she starved her to death. So her mother was very sick. They are suspecting that she had was withholding food from her, which is another tactic that they talk about her doing with Gypsy as well, which was part of where the feeding tube came in. She was able to kind of control when Gypsy ate, when she didn't eat, what she ate, how much she ate, like all of those things. So there are also a lot of accounts told by the family that they believe that Emma had Munchausen's by proxy as well. Didn't Dee Dee have some weird procedures that were done too? Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe that was also Munchausen's all by kind proxy. Of, right. All just, it all kind of stumbles from the same tree. You know, there's just, there's a lot of family abuse happening and it's the cyclical, you know, situation and the mom there are some accounts of the mom like stealing clothing and things from laundromats like there's all these things that just kind of set Dee up for not the best kind of foot forward in life so she we talked about bad checks she written she's written some bad checks she's done a lot of things that are not so great there was some poisoning so when you watch, and I know we talk later a little bit about the act that was the Hulu show. Um, it portrays it very Hollywood, but also the actress who plays Dee Dee Blanchard on the show makes her seem very like, I don't know, like kind and like, I just like more of like a motherly aspect and from all the accounts, like in looking at the podcast and reading past accounts and talking to family, like homegirl's not nice. Like it wasn't, she wasn't like the sweet, caring mother in all aspects, like in public maybe, but that's not really what people who see them behind the scenes are experiencing with her. Well, yeah, Gypsy even stated that she would physically abuse her right. as well, like punch her, hit her with different items. Mm-hmm. There was that she had told Nicholas that she had been chained to the bed for two weeks, that she made her sleep on the porch. So there's a lot of things where it's like, do we know if these things are true or not? I don't know, but it definitely is in line with the things that had happened. So there was all these things. And then she kind of gets her final escape where she's able to go to Missouri from Louisiana. And when she does that, she does end up dropping the E on the end of their name. So Blanchard was spelled with an E at the end. And then she dropped it when she moved. And I'm assuming that is to kind of cover her tracks some, which to me feels like that's not really like a huge, is that like putting on a fake mustache and like walking into like a restaurant? Like, I just feel like that's kind of not super 
mysterious to do that. But I do think that that's interesting that she did do that. And then towards the end of her life, this is another thing I just kind of want to note. There are some accounts of people who had spoken with her um, in different occasions where it almost seemed like she was feeling out a new place to land, which is, I think, what stemmed Gypsy's kind of like, I'm never getting out of this. This is going to be forever. I got to do something to make a change. Um, But, you know, she can't be 14 in the same place forever. So something's got to happen. Either she's got to age or I got to move her somewhere else where nobody knows us and she can be a little kid again. So um, along with those kind of encounters, uh, there was a lot of, I mean, she had, they had a lot of attention either locally and also some like national attention, like based on Gypsy's illness. She won a bunch of like awards that had to do with sick kids. There were like famous people who were sending her money. uh, Miranda Lambert like donated $6,000 to them, like something crazy. And then she was able to go, to like backstage at her concerts. She had trips to Disneyland, Disney World, free tickets. They were on welfare, food stamps. They had free vehicle. They had the house or the Habitat for Humanity house. So there's definitely a lot of things that are being handed to them because Gypsy had these illnesses. So there are so many different things um, that are being given over and I guess to me the the fear of people finding out it was no wonder that it would make perfect sense that she's trying to kind of find something different because I mean you're not going to get rid of that cash cow like this is they're set you know she doesn't you if you've ever and this is like a true thing that people do that are actually like caring caregivers if you are like the sole caregiver for an a person in your family, there is government assistance that you can receive. So like if you can't work because you have a critically ill family member, you can actually be paid for by the government. And that is something that she had taken advantage of as well. Um, so just a lot of like, you know, you're kind of up to like this B-list celebrity style where you're getting a lot of attention, which really feeds in to that Munchausen by proxy kind of attitude and that you know that whole situation and so it's just really it's just awful so we talked a little bit about too with the abuse um with Gypsy and Dee Dee there was just a lot of like crazy things that kind of went in to play okay just final thoughts on the weird ass relationship between Gypsy and Nick I think it creeps both of us out um especially yeah the transcripts of their conversations it was i don't (laughs) the conversation transcripts again 12 year old boy but there are so and i guess this is common i don't know i don't i this was new to me so a lot of the transcripts if you listen to them or read them are full of like this like asterisk type conversation where it's like you put in basically like parentheses like what you're doing to that person in person 
So there were so many like asterisks, like sitting on, you're sitting on my lap or at like, I, that is like gross. Like, I don't want to, I don't know. I, it was so, there was so much happening in those transcripts. To me, that wasn't that weird because I will, I'm in a lot of. Because you do that. You yes. do that with Roberto. You guys like text no. each other. After. Shut the fuck up, Amy. <laughs> Shut up. No, but I'll do that in like online communities that I'm in. Like I'll put sigh and like with asterisks around it. Like, oh, I just took but a deep sigh. Different. Okay. But when I was hearing the transcripts, I I immediately knew what was happening. So to me, it wasn't shocking because so you I was. you knew like the conversation, like that kind of conversation happening. happening. Yes. Yeah. It so weird. it wasn't as much of a like, what the fuck? Like they were telling each other what they want that wanted to do. It just, um, yeah, I don't. I just overall, Nick was really into the the BDSM community, which it is certain people's kinks, and I'm not. I'm not gonna say you know anything. It's it's not necessarily mine necessarily, but if that's yours, that's yours, and that's that's cool. That's fine as long as it's in a consensual relationship. It seems right. as if Gypsy was a willing partner, or at least a pretend willing participant. Was that to right. further manipulate him, um, to get in on that, to because she knew, oh, Nick really likes this. So if I play more into this, I'm going to be more desirable desirable to him. I a hundred percent think so. I think that Gypsy manipulated the ever living shit out of him. Also their conversations were very needy. They were very immature it was a very immature relationship from my mm-hmm. my standpoint it seemed like the conversations that I would be having with my boyfriend at age 17 right not was, yes not 23. age 23 right definitely there and like you said I BDSM not my thing but if it's your thing, it's your thing. I think everybody should be into whatever they're into as long as it is consensual. But to me, what feels really, a lot of this is really icky, but it's the knowledge that really kind of weirds me out. So from, you look at her background, her history, she's with a mother, never allowed to leave each other's side. It's like very captor type of a situation where are you learning about all of this? Like, where are you learning what to say, what to do? I mean, just from the little bit of searching on the internet, I don't, I just, it feels very knowledgeable for somebody who's like kind of naive to this whole world. Maybe she's learning it from Nick. Maybe she's getting that in, like maybe he's kind of grooming or teaching her to do these things. But for somebody who's like never been to school is having to hide her computer. So it's not like she's just like, hanging out in the living room, like Googling BDSM while her mom's like watching TV. So where is this information coming from? There's no real talk of like any kind of sexual abuse with them, but I don't, I just, it seems shocking to me the amount of knowledge that they have about this, this whole, you know, community. It's coming from the same place that your children are going to have access to porn 
when they're older that you're I not going to be aware of either. I like guess. this happens all, all the time, sure. all the time, all the time. Kids gain. I have heard from different parental communities that I'm in, that I'm in the minute that you give your child, um, access to their own cellular device is yeah. needs to be the moment that you're okay with the fact that they're probably going to look up pornography on that in the next 30 minutes after you hand that over to them. Uh, <sighs> I know, but, but you do. Okay. But you do have to think like at age 12 kids, are, yeah, kids yeah. have access to the internet and they're going to be looking up not great stuff. Also some internet searches out there are just really fucked. Like, yes, you can put so many things on your computers and this, that, and the other. And I know this is a little bit different for the generation that we're raising versus the generation that Gypsy was in, but it yeah. also stands the same way. Like, yeah, you can put on so many apps, you can put on so many trackers, you can do this, you can do that. But at the end of the day, do you know who's going to know more about technology? Our children. I can't what even fucking get my microphone to work. So I feel like Aurora's going to be able to know her For way sure. around a For cellular sure. device better than me. I'm certain Gypsy did as well. So it's like, even if it was wasn't I I had access to stuff online that I'm certain if my parents were to For have sure. known about they would have been horrified and I agree with that and I I mean like we had you know I was in the AOL generation and oh, like you God. know I was doing so like awful chat rooms chat I was lying rooms about my age. talking to people online and like you can now you can, it wasn't Google search then. I feel like it was what, like Ask Jeeves or I don't know, whatever it was at the time. Like there yes. was no, there was, but I mean, I definitely looked up things that I was, I was a curious, you know, 13 year old that I want to like look up stuff that I'm never going to be able to find elsewhere. But also like my parents, and I'm sure I got away with shit that I probably shouldn't have, but like there seemed to be like, that woman had her on lock. Like when yeah. is she looking at this stuff? Like that's just the only thing that, I know kids are going to find stuff. I'm sure my kids are going to find things online that I, that would make me want to throw up. Like I just, I know that that's coming and it's just kind of like a natural thing, but when is she having the time to learn about all of these things? I guess, I mean, it sounds like she took sleeping medication that Dee, Dee took sleeping medication to go to sleep. So maybe it was like when she went to sleep, all she was doing was like researching, talking to people, searching online, like doing all these things. And maybe she's a lot smarter than people were giving her credit for. She's just able to kind of retain this knowledge that I just feel like, how do you learn? I don't, it just feels like a lot to me. You know what? Like really, a lot of knowledge. Yeah. You know what really fucking bothers me? Why didn't Gypsy just poison her mom? Like, why didn't she just like give her too many sleeping pills? Like, why didn't she, so they, they stabbed her because she thought that that would be better for her mother. That would be easier. I know in one interview, Nick stated, oh, we wouldn't have known how to poison her. Okay. Well, you found out anything that you wanted to know about the BDSM community and you were able to, you know, find photographs to send each other on shit like that on the internet, but yet you weren't able to look up, I don't know, like the effects of how like, to poison my round mom. up. Yeah, right, Ooh. right. Playing well, I mean, his own game. Or like they have medication in the house. How easy. And a lot of it, yeah. Like a shit ton of it that is available to her all the time. Like I, it just really bothers me that they stabbed her to death instead of just, 
we have had this conversation and Amy and I have, and if I had to murder my husband, I would poison him. I just feel like that is the way I know they say that that's how women kill people, whatever. I'll play into that stereotype. If I'm going to murder you, I'm going to poison you. Roberto, are you hearing this? I just want, I just want to <laughs> you probably already know it's because if it's anything like Chris and I, I'm like, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to kill you if that's going to happen. So let's just talk about it. But stabbing is so it's slow. It's not a quick, like, I mean, even right. Messy, even could you shoot? I don't, there's just, I don't, I don't want to plan anybody's murder, but like there are other ways you could do it that would make it look, or at least attempt to look like an accident have stabbed her in the back it's just yucky I yeah I just the stabbing I can't I can't with the stabbing but hey why did you think about the act so okay it was the first the act was like my first introduction to this case so it was the very first thing I saw originally when I saw it I was like yeah I like this like this is a good story like a good story. It's a scary story. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of thrillery. It's right up the alley of like the shit I like to watch. So I'm like, this is interesting. It's interesting to me reading into the case and really like after our homework episode, looking into more things, I like it less and less for what it is with this case. If I looked at it as, so if I looked at the act and there was no truth behind it, like it, it's fine. I think it's, you know, it's a decent, show whatever but in the context of this case no bueno i'm not a fan what about you uh the teeth really traumatized Mm -hmm. me i'm very scared of dentists and so the noise came on and i Mm -hmm. immediately went and ate a couple CBD gummies and (laughs) took a hit of a Delta eight vape because I was just so uncomfortable. I also didn't realize that I was about to watch a little bit of softcore porn. And I, because I was unaware (laughs) and, and because it is not my typical a uh, casual watch on a Wednesday mm. with the mm-hmm. door open and um, my child walking around. Oh, hey. Uh, that hey, not safe for kids. <laughs> yeah. So just like a heads up on that, guys. Yeah. If you're going to watch it, if you're really into the case itself, I don't suggest you watch it. If you haven't watched no, it yet. Don't do it. Do watch other things. Mommy Dead and Dearest and listen watch to Toil and Trouble. Toil and Trouble's podcast was really good. If you don't want to watch Mommy Dead and Dearest or you're a cheapskate like me, listen to True Crime Obsessed's um, recall of Mommy Dead and Dearest. It's like you're there and they're amazing. I don't know that it's something I would recommend again as it pertains to this case. But yeah. if it's if you're just into like true crime stuff, like it's okay. It's a good watch. Or, I mean, don't watch maybe, it with your mom, but like it's good. Yeah, maybe give it a couple of months when you forgot about the case at all mm-hmm. and then give it a watch so then it can be pure entertainment value. Also, people close to 
the case were not very happy with the act in general, the liberties that it took. A lot of liberties, like a lot of Hollywood, you know, flash that goes along with it. So I could see that. I could see how if this was like a case about somebody who I loved or something that I like a case I was really super passionate about that I would like not be cool with with the way it was portrayed kind of based later but I'm with you though I don't have anything else to say about this case um so that really closes out this week's episodes um there is a lot more to I think unfold with this case not the case in general but kind of the future of the case it's always so interesting to me when you've got folks like in jail and people still on trial and parole coming and marriages and um, you know, 2023 is when Gypsy is supposed to get out of prison. I don't know about you, but I'm going to keep my eye open for a wedding registry. I'm ready for that. So there's also uh, supposed to be like another series or a documentary that mm -hmm. is made from all this as well, to which I'm not sure I'll be watching. Um, however, that does mean that there will be more to consume out there soon right so if this is your bag kind of keep keep your eyes open for something new um as always come hang out with us on instagram check out our patreon where you will find new things to digest that are not um, released with the podcast so uh, join us for our next episode. We're trying to kind of release these every two weeks at this point. And so if you've got any suggestions, you can email them to us at cursewordsandcrams at gmail.com. Uh, we want to hear your suggestions. I would love to cover a case that you guys are interested in. Um, if not, we're just going to keep covering cases that we like. And you probably like them too, you weirdos. Um, but, you know, as always, be nice to yourself. Be nice to others. And uh, catch you next time. Bye. Bye.